0: Welcome to Storehouse Dallas.
1: Okay. Um, you know, last week we talked about a School of Creative Leadership. It's a kingdom school that we're launching um, Probably in the next month, we're going to really start uh, signing people up for it. I know that a lot of the schools right now in the DFW area, a lot of the private schools, they're kind of pressuring you that if you you got to sign up before the end of the month. But I want to encourage you, that actually is not true. Ta- trust me, they will take your money next month. So I want to give you an opportunity um, to watch the video from last week, Comedia School of Creative Leadership. It is not a Christian school. It is a kingdom school. Okay. Now there is not one of these in the Dallas area. Um we are uh we are uh just like or are going to be very similar to the Community School of Creative Leadership in Fort Mill, um South Carolina or North Carolina. Which is it? So um I get those confused, so whatever. Uh so anyway. Please, if you are a grandparent or if you are a parent, please, I want you, it's going to be an elementary school, I want you to go and and, um, research that. And the reason that I bring it up again is because a couple of people sent me some articles this week, um, one of them from Teen Vogue where there's an article, uh, they've come out with a video that shows uh, toddlers how to understand, um, how to consent to sex. Uh, the next one, uh, article is Democrats pass Bill for sex Education in Kindergarten in New Jersey. Next article, Washington Democrats Push Mandatory LGP, I don't know, whatever the acronym is, uh, Focused Sex Ed for kindergartners. So again, um, let's just be really clear here. The truth is, is that the enemy is out to get our children and destroy our uh, inheritance. And we just, as believers, are saying no, I, I don't think so, not on my watch so the beautiful thing about this school is that we do not have to adhere to any government mandates period i am telling you there will be no transgender person over the health and human services in our building okay we do not have to wear masks and we do not have to separate six feet okay so i am telling you we are raising our children to heal the sick to cast out demon and raise the dead These children will know how to access heaven and transform the earth. And at the same time, opening up their mind to the things of the Spirit, we will teach them academics. So we are so excited about this, and I review it because we didn't have an opportunity last week to um, play the video, and I love this video, and the reason that I love the video is because uh, one of the teenagers down in Fort Mill, he's 16 years old, and he heard about what we were doing, that we were starting this school, and so um, he said, I really want to be a part of this, and I really want to, to help promote it, and so we worked together with him to come up with a script, and he put all of the video together, and so I just want you to take a moment and watch it. And this will give you an idea about the level of creativity from this school. Okay, let's go ahead and cue the video.
0: There was a time when we celebrated imagination. We held up the artists, the inventors, the storytellers, and the entrepreneurs for what they helped us see, for how they made us feel, for how they accessed heaven and brought God's dreams to the earth. We used to champion the dreamers, the ones who gave us vision for the kingdom of heaven to come, given us hope for a brave new world. They gave us leadership that improved our lives, inventions to lift us up, and sounds that filled our souls. But then the voices of the naysayers grew louder. We listened to the ones that said, be reasonable, sit still, conform, and we stopped dreaming stop sharing the story of who we are. But what if all our stories haven't been told? What if all the dreams haven't been dreamed? What if all the songs haven't been written? And what if the next masterpiece is waiting for you to create it? There is a place where imagination is still alive through a community of worshipers and with a school for tomorrow's creative leaders a place that lets all awaken to the full potential of how they were created and launch them into believing for their exciting story with god an atmosphere where heaven meets earth a loving environment to grow a school with curriculum that challenges and motivates but has no homework only meets four days a week yet outperforms their peers academically where they don't encounter just information, but they learn wisdom. Join us, the Comenia School of Creative Leadership, a school for Dallas's children to discover their story from the one who wrote it, a part of Storehouse Dallas's Apostolic Center. Come and let our community help develop the gifts and minds of tomorrow's creative leaders that will change the future of education, media, entertainment, government, and science. This is our story.
1: All right. So yeah, that was put together by a 16-year-old. And I want to encourage you uh, with the school in Fort Mill, they had um, Harvard come to them and say, uh, we've received some of your students and we are amazed at not only they outperforming their peers here in their first year, but they've also accelerated to leadership positions in our university. We wanted to come and study what you're doing there. So again, these students are going on to be creative leaders um, in the future. Babe, could you take that? Thank you. All right, so that was a review of last week, but this week I'm so excited because we're going to start really reviewing a lot of what is in this book. Now, I want you to hear my heart here because um, I've heard it said by many people who are not believers, the church just wants to get our money and always wants to talk about the tithe, and I want to encourage you in something, when God puts something in motion, and when he develops something, when he offers something, when there is a command in the Bible, it is so that we can come to the highest, the widest, and the deepest measure of our experience here on the earth, and that is what kingdom wealth has to offer us, and so I'm really excited about this because the truth is if you can understand how God's money works from the kingdom perspective, then it really does open you up in faith to believe the things about raising people from the dead, healing the sick, casting out demons, and living a supernatural life. You see, the truth is, when God designed the earth, he put it within a system that reproduces after itself. And so the same goes for our money. You know, it's really interesting because in the charismatic community, we can believe for the supernatural in all of these different areas, but for some reason, when it comes to work and money, all of a sudden, we're like, no, I got that. And we find ourselves to be slaves to a system that has created within us heart attacks and stress and um, waking up in the middle of the night and being a slave to the master instead of being um, um, the leader of our destiny, okay? So I want to, oh, by the way, I want to welcome online guests. Sorry, they had it in red, you know, (laughs) I I should have seen it. All right, um, I want to start by saying this. Um, We're really, I believe that God is about to pour out his wealth. The wealth of the wicked is about to be poured out into the hands of the righteous. Amen. We are in Haggai two. God is rebuilding His temple. Um, he is rebuilding His bride, and because He is coming back for her, and so He is. We are readying ourselves for that. Remember, the bride would made herself ready, and so this is part of that. No, I don't believe that 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 your tree in your backyard is going to start to produce dollar bills. Okay, but I do believe that that there is a revelation of kingdom wealth that. Is available to this generation unlike there ever has before. You know, um, I'm, let me, let me, in Proverbs, um, in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, it says, The blessings of the Lord make one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. All right, I'm not really a prosperity preacher, but I'm also not a poverty preacher, but I do believe that there's a system that is available to us where we can access heavenly wealth and bring it down because um, the toil, toiling in the earth... It, it actually means you're under the earth curse system it means that you are still under the curse and you haven't really fully appropriated the blood of jesus to learn the new way because there is a new way and haggai chapter one talks about this and he says this i want you to consider the prophet haggai said to the people you're building your houses but you're and it, and he doesn't say stop building your houses he said the way that you're building your houses is wrong. He said, consider the way that you are building. And I believe what he's saying to the body of Christ is consider the way that you're working. Because you're working and you're still under the curse and you're actually not working in the rest that the Lord has prepared for you. Now he doesn't say, I want you just to hang out and wait for the FedEx guy to bring you your monthly check. Right? This is not, this is not, I'm not opposed to working. I'm just working unto the Lord. And so that kind of work can actually create prosperity. And so the beauty of of the system of the kingdom that produces wealth is like you're giving your money to, to, to God of the universe who knows the beginning and the end and everything was made through him and the destiny and the story that you have has already been written and he is more invested in your future than you are, more able to see it come to pass than you are, more able. To bring everything that you need to see it come to pass, than you are. So, so the beauty of money is that there's a sowing and a reaping with money. You got to sow to so that you can reap. Did you know that money in the Bible is a seed? It's called it's a seed. And so, when Jesus came, what did he do? <clears throat> he said, "I'm going to come. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." He didn't say repent for. The kingdom of salvation, Georgia, you're here. Oh, my gosh, everybody, this is Georgia. I, I they, My good friend, I love you. Thank you, I'm so glad you're here. Okay, we'll hug, we'll hug and paint our nails later. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, where was I? <laughs> Everything in the kingdom. Now, Jesus, Jesus wasn't a farmer. Jesus was a carpenter. So he didn't come and say, the kingdom of heaven is like building this stool, or the kingdom of heaven is like this dresser that I made for my mother, you know? He said, the kingdom of heaven is like agriculture. He talks about seeds. He talks about the mustard seed, right? He talks about trees blooming. He talks about the fig tree. So he goes in and he continues to talk about the seed is on the wayside. The seed is here. The seed is there. So he's talking about the seed. In other words, he's talking about two things, seeds in the Bible, are the word of God, and it is money. So money does what? Money should make money. Should you make money? No. You should catch money. Should you go out and chase money? No. You should, in the kingdom, receive money. Now, I hope that I am offending every man and woman in this room. Because if I can offend your mind then hopefully you will understand that the way that you're thinking is actually wrong. And, and 99.9% of the body of Christ has been trained in the earth curse system, which is 1 plus 1 equals 2. But in the kingdom, 1 plus 1 equals infinity. You got to get God's math. I want God's math. And I can tell you, I have a plethora, love that word, of testimonies about how God has come through. I give God my money. He is the greatest investor, and he returns it with an incredible return on my investment. And that's just the way it is, pure and simple. All right. The best way to demonstrate and to testify about the kingdom is to make money. Why do I say that? Because Jesus said it to his disciples right after he fed the 5,000, right after he had like a couple of crumbs and a couple of fish, What did he do? He multiplied it. He fed the 5,000. And then he goes and he gets in the boat and he walks on water. I mean, come on. That's kind of a big deal. I mean, if I walked on water, I'd be kind of bragging. I would be like, did anybody else see that? I just walked on that water. And what would be better, of course, for the men's group, if you could walk on water with a fishing pole at the same time. (laughs) That's like two things. I'm feeding the 5,000 and I'm walking on water. All right. But Jesus didn't do that. Anyway, he walked on water. So he gets to the other side, and the disciples are there, and they're like, what was that? And he said, the people do not follow me for the signs. They follow me because I fed them. Think about that. John chapter 6. They don't, they're not following me because of the miracles. He just walked on water. They're following me because I multiplied their food. Beloved, I am telling you, when you start to, when I train you in this, and you apprehend it and you begin to get your own testimonies and you begin to teach others and they begin to do it, I am telling you, people are going to follow you because you know the ways of the kingdom or the Jedi, as I like to say. You know how to access heaven to transform the earth. And people are going to be like, what is happening with these people? Because they are prospering, but they are not sweating. They're not anxious. They're not fearful. Okay? Kingdom is a system run by laws just like the earthly system is run by laws. You are a citizen or an ambassador of this kingdom. To understand this kingdom, you have to understand there are basic laws in the kingdom, okay? The thing about these laws is the laws always work. You just have to learn the laws, and you have to learn how to apply the laws. You have to learn how to function in the laws. My confidence is not in my ability, but my confidence is in God's word and in his law. And um, Romans says this, that the law of the Spirit has set me free from the law of sin and death. And so there's two laws that are functioning, and I always like to think of them like this. One is here, which is an earthly law, the law of sin and death. But it's actually, there is a law that is higher, and it is the law of the Spirit, okay? And so it's, um, and these laws of the kingdom will help you to reign and have dominion over every earthly law. Did you know that there are 130 Bible verses about the kingdom versus 42 verses about salvation? So Jesus was very much about saying, I'm introducing a new way for you to live. You cannot live in the old way. You can continue to live in the old way. Beloved, I will tell you, if you live in the old way, you will not have the provision to fulfill the vision that God has given you. You will instead put the vision aside, and you will spend all of your time chasing the provision and trying to get what you need in order to live. But if you think that God said, I'm, gonna, I'm a supernatural God, and I'm going to give you the ability to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and all of this, but yet I'm not going to give you the supernatural ability to make wealth, then, then we've missed the heart of God. Because he said, I, I want all of your life, and I want to bless all of your life. And again, he is more invested in seeing you apprehend the thing that he promised you. And why wouldn't he make a way to help you get there? Amen. All right. I love that. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> All right. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So you can kind of measure where you are at any given time. Okay? I mean, am I in peace and joy? Or am I stressed out, afraid that I'm going to get fired, or there's things going on in work? Do you know that there are actually, um, like, I think they did a study, and it's like 75% of people hate their job. They hate their job. Why do they do their job? Well, they do their job so they can pay their bills. But how is that fulfilling the vision or the call that you have on your life? Because what is the saying? If, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. If you do the thing that you're supposed to be doing, you're never going to actually work. You're just going to prosper because you'll come home. You'll, 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 you'll work 12 hours a day. Why? Because you're like, this makes me come alive. And that's the thing that God has created us to do. All right. You know the law of gravity is an absolute law in the earth, Right. Like, if I take these glasses, they're just going to fall to the ground. That's the law of gravity. But there's actually something that has uh, was invented called the law of the lift, which the law of the lift is what airplanes do. So airplanes will supersede the law of the lift, will actually supersede the law of gravity, right? One falls and the other lifts. This is the same with the the spirit, okay? The spirit and the things of the kingdom are going to take you higher, but the things of the earth are actually going to drop. Like a rock. But Jesus died on the cross. What did he do? He died on the cross so we could prosper. Again, let's read that. He, it, Jesus wants us to be rich. I hope that doesn't offend you. Have you ever... We have missionaries in third world countries. The missionaries in the third world countries are poorer than the people in the third world country. Don't you think if they came with a message of how to access kingdom wealth to help them to prosper, that that would be a God that they would want to serve? Again, they don't follow me, Jesus said, because of the signs. They follow me because of the bread. Okay. Okay. So I've heard a lot of, I've gotten a lot of pushback about uh, tithing over the years. John and I were in the same place when we um, were living in the park cities, you know, big house, big, lots of, I don't know, how many cars did we have, babe? Seven? Six. Six. We had a lot of kids, but people thought we were we were university students, like a frat house, <laughs> <laughs> which I took as a compliment, I was like but um, we would go to church like on Christmas and um, that was back before I was saved and just making all this money and living these big lives and um, we would write a check for $25 put it in the, I mean I'm just (laughs) telling you, we had no grid, we were like "You, you want our money? You know, we just want to know Jesus at Christmas time. You know, anyway, we were those people, so we had no grain. And then we started kind of getting a little bit. We I got saved, and we got spirit filled, and so then I remember asking um, one of the pastors over at Sojourn Church, "Well, you know, should I tithe on the gross or the net?" <laughs> I mean, you know, we don't want to get carried away here. <laughs> And he said to me, well, it depends on how much you want to be blessed. And I was like, okay. (laughs) The net, you know. (laughs) Still had no clue. And I think if you've lived on this earth any amount of time, you've just learned, uh, you know, and you've been around that mountain a few times, you've really learned um, that God's way is the best way you know, and you keep trying to kind of do it sort of the other way, and you you have one foot over here and one foot over here, and a double-minded, is, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, and you're like, yeah, that's right, and you finally move over, that leg kind of pulls it over, all right, you're going to have control over my finances and my money. Um, again, Jesus said this, do not think that I came to destroy the law and the prophet's but I did not come to destroy it, but fulfill it. And so the beauty about the New Testament tithing, and I've heard it over and over and over and over and over, that we don't have to tithe because of the New Testament, and New Testament, we don't have to tithe. And I was like, you know what? You're totally right. God's like, let my church be on their own. Those pastors can just work for a living. You don't actually have to support them. Forget about my bride. She's on her own. And I love Robert Morris. By the way, this book is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. I am very pleasantly surprised. This is the first book that I've, I've read that is written by him. It is so well written, and there's, it is so revelatory. And so uh, you're going to have a great time reading it, and you're going to be like, I should have had a V8. <laughs> you know? Um, so tithing, New Testament tithing. He gives a great story about this. And um, Robert comes up with his own parable. And he said there was a bridegroom who had a bride. And he had to leave town for several months. And he had three friends. And he said, I'm going to give you $10,000 a month. And, and what I want you to do is I, I need you to take care of my bride while I'm out of town. And I'm so I want each one of you... Um, to give her $1000 a month. You can keep 9000. I'm going to give you the 10, you can keep the 9. But but you've got to give her $1000 a month each one of you and that'll take care of my bride. And then when I so when I return, she'll be okay. And so he came back and he asked his bride, "So tell me how have you been?" And she said, "Well, you know." Okay. And he said, "Well, tell me about how my friends took care of you." Remember, we're friends of the bridegroom, right? <clears throat> and she said, well, the first friend, um, he was faithful. And every month, you know, he gave me $1,000. And the second friend, he was not only faithful to give me $1,000, but he was so enthusiastic about serving you that he gave more than $1,000. Um, and then the third friend, he gave $1,000 the first month. And then after that he gave um, seven hundred and fifty, and then after that he gave three hundred, and then after that he stopped giving. And so, of course, what is the bridegroom going to do when he said, I, "I left you in charge to take care of the what I love, because I'm coming back for her"? And the truth is, beloved, uh, nobody really gets into this thinking. Oh, I think I'm going to be the pastor of a church. Man, I am going to bank on money. <laughs> I left a very lucrative career to be called into the ministry. Now there are some who do really well in the ministry. Let's just address that, that, you know, elephant in the room. There are some that are making a lot of money. But the thing is, is that we don't really have to judge that because what we need to be responsible for is our part. We sow and we reap. And as we sow faithfully, God is going to take care of everything, including all of our needs, all of your needs. Okay, so um, the law of the lift, that's what we want to do. So let's start uh, talking about tithing. All right. Once you understand God's kingdom and his heart regarding money, you will run to give your money away. And that's what John and I, John and I now spend all of our time looking for opportunities to become wealthy. Not that we're looking for opportunities, not just to, for work, but we're looking for opportunities to sow. Because the more you understand this, and the more you will have your own testimonies in this, the more you're going to say, where else can I give my money away? Because I understand the laws of the kingdom, and therefore, all of a sudden, everything has begun to come to me. I like to say, "I call, uh, you can actually begin to, and we'll get into this in the second part of our Kingdom University training this year. So we're going to do three months in talking about money. No, I'm not kidding you. Because we, uh, you have to get this. You have to get this because this is going to lead to you actually recreating food out of nothing. I have got to get the level of faith up, and you are the army of God, and I am training you. You're lifting weights, and so we're going to go over this. You're going to try it. You're going to testify. We're going to share about the things that are happening in our body. It's going to be an amazing time. It's going to be really exciting. Amen. All right, so let's look at what the uh, Lord tells us about um, Malachi. And of course, we're going to, uh, or not Malachi, tithing. Let's talk about, um, well, let's back up. Let's start, uh, let's, uh, start in Leviticus uh, chapter 27, verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord's. All right, so the tithe is holy. You can't touch the tithe. That's the bottom line. You cannot touch the tithe. It belongs to the Lord. It does not belong to you. Just as the story that I told, well, actually it was Robert, um, just as that story demonstrated to us, it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to his bride. It belongs to the priests that have been um, um, anointed by God to serve his people. Do you know that only 17% of the body of Christ actually tithes worldwide? Think about what we could do if it were a hundred. Think about what kinds of revival we would be having. We feed the poor every week, every other Saturday. We have a line of cars. And I, you know, I don't know if they're poor, but I know that a lot of them are hungry. They need the food. Well, this is amazing food, but just think about how much further we could go. All right. If, 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 if the other 70% 75, 80% would come in to tithing. Think about what the church could do. How many lives could be saved? How many lives could be discipled? How many people we could teach? How many schools, right? how we could start sending people into the hospitals. My goal for this church is that we could hire a hundred evangelists who are full-time missionaries to go out into Dallas and a hundred worshipers in the spirit of the tabernacle of David. And so we would pull heaven down, get all oily, and then go out into the streets and save the lost. Right? Come on. And, uh, and as, you know, as soon as we all tithe, we're going to do that. I mean, y'all don't mind if I just speak frankly, right? Okay. All right, Malachi. 2,500 years later, Malachi says this. I'm going to start in chapter 3, verse 7. You can turn if you have a Bible. You can turn the... I love listening to the pages of my Bible turn. So beautiful. Um. All right. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how have we, how are we to return? And he says this, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? And he says this, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe. That means the whole tithe. Tithe means 10%. Into the storehouse. And no, I didn't name my church that because, but it, it works. <laughs> that they may ha- be, there may be food in my house. Again, there may be food in my house that my priests will have food and not just ramen noodles. Okay. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. So again, there's the testimony. When you do these things, what happens is that all the nations of the earth, you want to cause the Jews to be jealous? You start making more money than them. And they're going to be like, what is happening with those Gentiles? Because they've accessed something in the God of Abraham that we ourselves have not apprehended and don't have access to unless we have the blood of Jesus. Come on. All right, because we don't understand the kingdom ways, we hold back. Our, our, this is what John and I, this is what the Lord told me. Okay, so great testimony. <clears throat> and, and John, I just want you to know something. How many, you know, you go through the time when you prospered before we, we knew how to live in the kingdom. We go through the times when we really prosper, and then we go through the times that all of a sudden we got nothing. And when I say we don't have nothing, I'm not like one of those people that says, I don't have anything. I actually have, you know, like $100,000 in my IRA, but we're just poor. Now, when John and I said we had nothing, I'm telling you, we didn't have two cents to rub together, right? So we were going through a season. I think he was starting his own business, if I remember correctly. I think Bliss had just had her accident. We had sold our house. And so we were kind of at its place where we were like, boop, hanging on by our fingernails. And, uh, and so we're just, we're just pressing into God. And I remembered praying and, and fasting and, you know, really asking God, you know, help. And so we had just enough money to eat for the next week. And then we were out of money. We had no income. We were out of money. And, um, so the Lord told us, I want you to give away the rest of your money, which was hard. Because you're like, I don't know how we're going to eat this week, right? And um, so we prayed about it. And, you know, when you have obligations and you're like, well, I'm the man and I got to provide for my family, it's offensive when God says, give all your money away. Where's the milk going to come from? You know? We have, again, let's repeat, I have. we have seven kids. And they eat for entertainment. Okay. <laughs> You're just like, you just ate. You're eating again. I've had this conversation multiple times. So we, we wrote the check. We cleared out zero, our bank account. And this was on a Sunday. Just trusting the Lord. Okay, you said to give it. So we gave it. And on Tuesday, John got a job. This was like, I don't know, 15 years ago, John got a job on Tuesday, I called him up, said, we want you to come do this, whatever. I don't remember what it was, but it was, it paid like $7,000. And, um, so, so we, I got to tell you, I got to confess, we really didn't have that much in our checking account, but it's all we had. But it was, but the multiplier was huge. So as we were obedient to give it away, Now, of course, let me tell you something. Let me preface it with this. We were already tithing, okay? My good friend Jason Hooper said, tithe is just like putting chicken wire around your garden, right? But sowing over the tithe is where it really starts to get good. And we'll talk about that, but we're still on tithing. So anyway, the Lord came through in a big way, and the Lord said this to me, you can either hold on to your lack or participate in my abundance. And a lot of time we're like, there's a, there's a movie, um, My Crazy Rich Asian, oh my God. <laughs> so funny, right? It's such a funny movie. Well, at the beginning of the movie, there, there's a very interesting scene where um, the, the woman in the, the, I don't know what you would call her, the heroine or whatever, um, in the movie, she is a teacher. And so she's in a university setting, and um, they're playing poker. And so she's teaching a lesson through poker, right? She's like a, like a professor of economics or something. So she's playing against this guy, and the whole, the whole room is watching them play this poker game. Well, at the last minute, she ends up beating him on the last hand. How did she beat him? And she said, what was it that he was doing wrong? And everybody's like throwing out all these... No. And she said, no. He's playing not to lose. And because of that, he'll always lose. Versus I'm playing to win, therefore I will always win. And when you know that how to play this game, you're going to let go of holding on to your pennies, and you're going to really be excited about participating in God's abundance. How many times have I said that? I think we can move on. Okay. Um, Here's what I didn't fully understand, that the tithe is eternal. It's not Old Testament, New Testament. It is actually something that is eternal. And I want you to take a look at Adam and Eve in the garden. What did God say to them? He said, I want you to take dominion, and to rule over the earth, and I want you to be fruitful and multiply, okay? Again, agriculture, be fruitful and multiply, okay? He said, you can, I'm going to give you all these trees that you can eat from, but there's this one tree that you can't eat from, because when you eat from that tree, you will surely die. It's the tie. He's saying, here's the part that you get to keep. There's this one part that is holy, and you do not get to keep it. You do not. If you eat the seed of this tree, you actually will not prosper. And what happens is it's like the law of gravity. You will fall into the earth like a big rock, and you will not be able to prosper. But if you stay over here into all the other trees that you can eat of, the tree of life, you're actually going to multiply and be fruitful. Do you see that? Adam and Eve, were the dele- they had delegated authority by God. Satan, who was on the earth, despised them. He couldn't take their authority from them, so he had to devise a scheme that said, you don't have enough with your 90%. You need to just kind of get in there and start nibbling away at the other. So they had to lay it down voluntarily. When Adam came into agreement with Eve about this, and came into agreement with what the enemy was saying, take the 10%. Jurisdiction, remember, God is a God of laws, okay? Jurisdiction transferred from Satan over the earth, and now all humanity came under that same jurisdiction. And we can actually look at this, if you'll read in your Bibles, um, Genesis chapter 3. And I'm almost finished, and then we're going to stand and... Repent with gnashing of teeth. <laughs> All right, look at um, so so here's here's the the curse. Um, Genesis chapter three verse eighteen. then Adam, then to Adam, God said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall not, you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken for dust you are and to dust you shall return. So what happened is he went from being a son multiplying fruitfulness to now becoming an orphan or a survivalist. So you're going to have to get your own provision, and it's going to come by the sweat of your brow and through toil. How many of you understand what I'm saying about toil? Right? So... What I want to tell you is that this whole place of being a survivor is not God's original design for his people. We were never created to do that. The things that we were created to do is to pray, access heaven, hear from heaven, listen to what he's saying for you and your life, and then begin to function in the kingdom way of sowing and then reaping the benefits. Now, when I start telling you some of the ways that God has had us to sow, I will tell you that sowing, actually sowing money, I'll just give you a little hint and a a peek under the tent. Understanding how to sow money actually works for more than just finances. I've seen people saved through sowing a seed for their salvation. I've seen people have revelation and breakthrough, sowing for that revelation and breakthrough. I've seen marriages healed as I sow for those marriages. And I'm telling you, there is a kingdom principle that can be apprehended by you that will break everything open for your lives. All right, so why don't we go ahead and stand? I'm gonna pray, went a little over, thank you for your patience. Um, So Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus, just go ahead and raise your hand. We desire, God, that we can be truly free, that you would break us out of the slavery of survival mentality. Help us, God, to lay hold of your kingdom and your ways that we can truly prosper in all things that we do. And we thank you, Father, that you have all of the provision in store for us, for the vision that you have called us to live in, in this earth. We bless you, God, and we thank you for your son, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen.